Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today we continue in our series on the fruit of the Spirit and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is bringing a message on self-control. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. Do you want to live in the light? Boy, what a great song. Who knows who that song was by? DC Talk from an earlier era. Very timely. So today we conclude our series of messages that I've called Cultivating Character. And these messages have focused on the fruit of the Spirit. Take out your message guide. The fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5, and I cite all of the, the different parts of the fruit today. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Y'all read this with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we began this series nine weeks ago, I asked everyone to mark the fruit that they were bearing bountifully, the character traits you were displaying. Did you mark them? Did you mark them? Okay, I'm here. I'm out here already. And also, the fruit or traits that you were barely demonstrating at all. Did you do that as well? So did you start recognizing the presence or absence of these character traits? And what did you find when you started looking for fruit? What did you find? You need a Savior. Somebody said yes. Yes, I'm in need of a Savior. Good answer. This morning we focus on the final fruit. Remember, not nine different fruits, all part of one fruit, and they develop at different rates. Some of us need more development in certain areas than others, but it's the Spirit of God working to produce them all. And so today's final fruit, part of the fruit that we examine, is self-control. A definition for self-control Again, a Greek word. You don't need to know any of these Greek words, but it's akritia, and it means exercising self-restraint. Literally, it means strong in a thing or masterful. Now, the Greek origin of this word refers more literally to physical and emotional self-mastery particularly in situations of intense provocation like the parking lot. <laughs> Today, I want y'all to stay put. And when you get into the parking lot, that will be a time for you to display what? Oh, you are really learning. <laughs> or also temptation. 
But the truth is, we are speaking about mastery, not by ourselves, but by whom? By the Holy Spirit. Theme verse that I've selected, Proverbs 25. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And a city with broken down walls is open to attack with no means of defense. Have you found yourself either now or at times like a city without walls? Do you display self-control? That's where we start. Do you display self-control? And if you don't know, turn to the person beside you and say, do I display self-control? I didn't see an answer right there. (laughs) Self-control first is defined as mastering myself. Now, this is going to be a little bit confusing because we do have some responsibilities, and yet it's fruit that the Spirit works within us. See, we tend to think, what do we tend to think is the source of our temptation? Outside, other people. It comes from somehow outside of us. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the source of temptation is from where? Within. Look at James 1, 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, the opportunity or the invitation to disobey God, to pursue unrighteous behavior, that opportunity is on the outside. It's found in our culture. It's among our relationships. But all of our responses to that stimulus originate Where? From me. And reflect my character. Galatians 5, 17. The sinful nature, what's the word there? What should it be? Flesh. The sinful nature, flesh, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that the that are the opposite of what the sinful nature, flesh, desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Do you detect these two forces? Can you tell when it's the spirit leading you and when it's the flesh tempting you? Can you tell the difference? How many can tell the difference? It's key. It's key that you can tell the difference. Now, I think it's an unfortunate translation to call the, the flesh the sinful nature. It's, it's true, but the flesh really merely refers to my humanity, which is self-centered. Doesn't mean... It's always completely sinful. I mean, even before you were a believer, you weren't completely sinful, right? So it's talking about the flesh 
versus the spirit. Living human versus living spiritually. Living not surrendered to God. Living self-centered, not God-centered. But see, doing what I want is rebellion. So which force, flesh or spirit, is winning the battle within you today? Do you know? Which force is winning the battle within you? Now, I can blame my family or friends, my background or upbringing, my situation in life, even tragic circumstances that I've suffered for my attitudes, for my actions. And those may be true. Those things, you know, a lot of us have suffered some awful things. But despite that, there is no escaping my responsibility for my responses. You know, when you were born again, you suddenly were given complete responsibility for your life. No more excuses. No more blaming. No more accusations. It's me. Now, none of us are susceptible to all temptations. But all of us have some areas of weaknesses, weakness where we're more vulnerable than others to temptation. And it is based on what we believe because of past experiences or particular wounds. See, when something happens, something spoken, some situation offers itself, you have to respond. And you respond according to what you believe. Always. Am I confusing y'all back there? Jack, you tracking with me on this? Now, some of us walk around with negative feelings a lot. An emptiness, sort of a subtle anger, a mild depression, and it's just lingering all the time. that true? You know anybody like that? And so, if if you have that, you have to make a choice. You either seek the Spirit for relief or you seek satisfaction through your physical self you always have one of those choices and so you either follow the flesh for some relief or you follow the spirit and pursue God and his presence and every time one of these situations arises you have a choice to make Is that fair? Which way will I go? Now, let me me say this as an aside. Finding peace in the Spirit takes some practice. Distracting yourself with the flesh takes no effort. You hear me? Is that right? So lacking internal peace, we distract ourselves from unsettled feelings with entertainment, new experiences, pleasures, 
accumulating possessions, unbridled ambition for accomplishment, even substance misuse or abuse. If you're someone that says fairly often, I need a glass of wine. You need to look at that. You see what I'm saying? I'm not even denouncing all alcohol. Bible has moderation as a standard. But if you're someone that it's not unusual for you to say, I need a glass of wine. You need to look at that. Or anything else that you need, that you run from. Some people use music to run. You know, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit concerned how so many of these young folks have music drilled into their minds all the time. How can you possibly learn to hear the voice of God if something's always drilled in there? And it could be any radio or talk show or anything. Sports. You have to leave room for God. You say, I can't hear God. Well, you have you left any room? You have to leave room. So I have responsibility to master myself through self-control, to avoid some enticements that are difficult to resist. What's the Bible tell you to do when you're tempted? Run. Can you run? You know, I mean, if we say, oh, well, this doesn't bother me. I'm just going to warm my hands up by this fire. And I'm just going to, you know, get my, oh. You're a fool. I've, I've told you all a story. You know, gosh, I was, I don't know how my mother kept her sanity raising me. But, you know, we, we used to have weenie roast. You remember that? I'm sure that was very healthy. Get a coat hanger <laughs> with lacquer and paint on it. Stick it through a hot dog. The world's perfect food round on both ends. And now stick that thing in a roaring fire. Well, you know, for me, uh-uh, no, no. The edge of the fire, no, no. I'm not over here by this one stick burning. No, no. I'm getting in the flame. And you know what happens when you get close to the flame? Y'all don't know anything about it. Who knows something about that? Don't tell me burn. I want to know specifically what happens when you get too close to the flame. You get your eyebrows singed off. Man, I was up in that flame. Boy, zzz, next thing you know, my hair's rolled up, my eyebrows singed. You know what? You get those little knots, you know, and you got to break them off. Y'all don't know anything about what I'm talking about, do you? Y'all think you're cultured. Notice I said you think you're cultured. When we fall, when we fail, an awful lot of us say, oh, it just happened. I couldn't control myself. Is that true? It is never true for a believer in Jesus Christ. God always offers a way of escape. You just didn't take it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
So are you mastering yourself? Self-control is demonstrated through restraint in several areas. First, in our actions. A believer does not have to give in to desire. Did you hear that? You believe that? Never. We can obey God in every area of our lives. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Look at this one, Romans 6. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. And don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. And it's talking specifically in this application to sexual sin, but it applies more broadly. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, and now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Do all of our actions honor God? Do we use the bodies he's given us in ways that glorify him because of all he's done for us? Or again, because of all he's given us. Romans 12, 1. Now, here's the thing I want us to consider. A lot of us avoid outward sinful actions. You want to be respected. You don't want to hurt people you care about. And those are, I'm not minimizing those. Those are God-honoring behaviors. But may not be spiritual fruit. You can make some good decisions humanly without it being spiritual fruit. But see, when the Spirit gives you the fruit of self-control, and really I I think it's better called spirit-control, you're not struggling to resist those temptations. The desires aren't there. It's not tempting for you to not look at something awful, commit adultery, lie to your spouse. It's not tempting. You see what I'm saying? It's just not there. So so has the attraction of temptation lessened in your life? Particularly in the area where you may have some kind of struggle. Has it lessened in your life? How many of you can detect a lessening of the lure of temptation? How many of you can detect it? Show me some hands. Because see, that's, that's the Spirit's work. Not just the ability to to hold on. It's not there. Now, it's better to hold on and resist, yes. Caring about other people. Honoring God. Holding on desperately, that's better. But when the Spirit of God is working, it's not there. See the difference? Self-control is also demonstrated through, my, through restraint in my speech. Am I careless in what I say? Do I hurt others through my speech? Am I cynical, sarcastic, critical, cruel? 
Those things aren't funny. They're, they're hurtful. You know, we may say, oh, I'm just kidding, or words don't hurt. People should just toughen up a little bit. But we know that harsh words, especially those spoken to children, create wounds that can remain with them throughout their lives. Do we all know this? You know, a constantly correcting parent is teaching a child that he or she doesn't measure up. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, it it doesn't matter what you mean. It's what that child perceives of you saying. Perhaps it's saying you're not acceptable. Maybe even you're not valuable. Now, I know you don't mean that. I just want my child to do my best, to do his best, to do her best. Ask your child what he is hearing. Ask what she is feeling. Ask how it makes her feel. You see what I'm saying? See, understand this. My need to criticize or correct is from my own insecurity. Now, I didn't say, I'm not saying never discipline, but if, you're, if your need to criticize and correct is kind of a compulsive, that's, that's your insecurity. That's not a desire to improve your child. You know, you, it's no secret I grew up in that kind of home. And you know what? I thought I was helping my children, but I, I created some perfectionism in my own children with my helpful words. You see what I'm saying? With my helpful words. Please do better than me. Start today. You can apologize. You can. My words always reveal the state of my soul. Luke 6, 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. See, the fruit of self-control will remove the compulsion to speak to or about others in a negative way. And, you, and if, you, if you're one, you've got to own it. See, we have to own these things and say, that, that's me. Because see, when the, when the fruit of self-control or, or spirit control is present, instead we can see someone with the eyes of Christ. And whereas we might have criticized the behavior, and the behavior may be bad, but we have a sense of compassion for struggling people. And instead of criticizing, we offer some encouragement or better yet, some assistance. What do our words say about us? What do my words say about me? 
Self-control is also demonstrated through restraint in my thoughts. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now this word heart, this is in Hebrew, of course, because it's Old Testament Proverbs. But the word really refers more, not, not so much to the muscle that circulates blood. It refers to the center of our being. You can even say it refers to our consciousness. It includes our will. It includes our intellect. It includes our emotion. Essentially, it includes our thoughts. That part of us that that is who we are other than the physical body. We always feel, speak, and act according to what we think. Anybody disagree with that? Do you disagree and you're just afraid to raise your hand? I want you to hear this. We always feel, speak, and act according to what we think. Or put another way, what we believe. And this is about anything. About ourselves about God, about this world. Virtually every situation, you're always interpreting situations and you're responding according to how you interpret it. Is that right? That's why two guys sitting in a room and the boss is saying the same thing to both of them, two people, and one walks out and says, well, he's probably right, we need to... We need to work, work a little harder in that area. The other one's furious. We've been disrespected. Why, why such different reactions? Different experiences. Different beliefs. Often different parenting. Our beliefs control our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Do you believe that? But sometimes you have to say, what do I believe What's behind what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing? Ask the Spirit to show you. Romans 8, 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, the flesh, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Self-control or spirit control of our thoughts means thinking only those thoughts that are acceptable to God. What's good and pleasing to Him. Look at Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I really control my thinking? What do y'all think? What about up there in the, in, the, in the nosebleeds? Do you believe that? You can redirect your mind. Now, not perfectly. Those flaming arrows do come in. I think Satan does, does send the flaming arrows into our thoughts. 
So you can't control it perfectly, but you can control it substantially and you can filter out something when it arrives. Now, first you gotta start by filtering out negative influences that you're getting from media. What are you taking in? It's coloring your thinking. But I want you, but let me illustrate this point. You said, if you think I can't control my thinking, there are many things that violate God's word and, and his will that you would never reflect on. Isn't that true? There are things that you just say, I would never reflect on doing, saying, watching this. It's just too evil. It's too, it's too outside of who God is. It's outside of who I am. And so you reject those thoughts instantly, don't you? Is that true? I mean, who have, have you had this experience? I mean, you hear something on television and now that's almost everything told in the news. But you, but you instantly screen it out, don't you? You said, I'm not going there. That's repulsive to me. That's detestable. I'm not going down that path. That shows you, you can control your thoughts. And then the Holy Spirit can transform your thinking. And as he transforms your thinking, he transforms your life. By renewing your mind. So what do you think about? What do you think about? Your thoughts reveal your true spiritual state. And your thoughts always direct your life. Self-control, lastly, is developed by the Spirit. We don't cultivate the fruit of the Spirit through greater human effort. And I'm just closing out with a rewind of these, this principle. Human efforts produce human results. That's not to say all human efforts are wrong. Sometimes by human effort, we resist doing something we know to be wrong. But human efforts produce human results. Christ-like character is created within us supernaturally as we surrender our lives to the Spirit's leadership. How do we do that? How do you do it? How do you do it? Tell me, what do you do? You die daily. That's a good one. Deny yourself. What else? What do you do? Come on, I want every one of you to answer me what you do to try to surrender yourself to, to the Spirit's leadership. I'm going to count to three, and I want everybody to shout out what they do. One, two, three. Let me hear it. I heard several things. I heard pray loudly. That's a good one. But you have to take steps. You have responsibility in this to surrender yourself. And yes, it's spending time with God in his word. It's praying and listening. It's participating in worship. You know, gosh, I, I want to just implore you. I would plead with you. Participate in worship. Not like this. Something happens through song. Have you ever just puzzled on why did God create music? Why did God create, some of you, the ability to sing? 
It's interesting. If you're awful like me, you keep getting invited. I had to sing at a wedding the other night, last weekend. With my brother, too, we, did, we danced and did our routine. But um, I didn't know we were going to. They just handed me a hat and said, go. But why? Why did God create that? Why can people sing? Why are there musical notes? Because something happens during song that doesn't happen when you're thinking cognitively. Song reaches your soul. It touches your emotional self. It bypasses some of that resistance. So I implore you, even if you can't sing, participate, reflect on the words, attempt to sing the word, and watch what God does in you as you seek to walk with him. The Spirit changes you. Remember that terrible temper temper you used to have. Remember it? Remember that low-grade depression that was almost always there. You know what I'm talking about? It's gone. What happened to it? It's gone. What about that, that situation that used to inflame you? Somebody being slow in the parking lot, you know? Y'all can hear I'm talking about this because I don't want y'all running out the door. I want you to hear what God wants to say to you. Let the Spirit remind you what He's saying. Remember, what Perry says isn't important, but what the Spirit says is vitally important. And if you have to wait a little while in the parking lot, reflect on what God has told you this morning. Ephesians 4.22. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, So does the Spirit do it or do you do it? Both. You can't make the changes, but you can put yourself in the process, can't you? You can place yourself in the presence of God for the Spirit to work. You do put on the new nature. You do have responsibility to live obediently by your will, to reject sin, to put yourself in God's presence so you can be changed by his spirit. Now let me encourage you. Don't take the summer off spiritually. Today's June 1. You know, most of us or many of us have, have lighter schedules. You know, instead of reading James Patterson, or at least along with it on the beach, read your Bible. Get a devotional book. Let God reach you at a time when you're less preoccupied. Pursue God. Grow in Christ this summer. You know, when we begin a series next week in Colossians called, Learn, called Living a Change Life. Because, you know, I, I'm convinced that's where we're confused. How do I follow the Spirit? You know, we, we've made decisions for Christ, and yet we know we're struggling, we're angry, we're depressed, we're frustrated. Where's the peace? Where's the joy? Where's the fruit of the Spirit? Where's the Spirit? 
let me urge you. Do your part. Read the lessons in advance. Participate. Come to services prepared to encounter God. Participate in worship by singing, whether you can stay on pitch or not. And even now, like I said, take a moment as we close. Ask God to strengthen your self-control. I want to bless you. Father, may your spirit come alive in each one gathered here. Lord, may you bear fruit by your efforts, not through ours. And Lord, may you change us to look more like Jesus Christ and less like ourselves. So that we might draw many people to your son. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.